Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, we're in the second week of our mini-series on the promises of God, and so I'm glad you're here this morning, or if you're listening on our podcast, as we unpack the promise of power. Jesus made a promise when he said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. That's a promise. He told them in another place in John chapter 14, saying to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, who lives with you and will be in you. That too is a promise of power. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the church on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And ever since then, the power of the Holy Spirit has been available to the church. It's been available to believers like us. And I, I like what Paul says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Because we, we don't want to just sit back and talk about the power of God, or discuss the power of God, or I don't even want to debate the power of God. I just want to experience it personally and effectively and and powerfully, convincingly, I want to experience that power in my life, don't you? So let's, as we, as we unfold this message this morning, uh, let's talk first about the, the purpose of God's power so we get to the experience. The, the Apostle Paul gave advice to his young protege named Timothy. And first and second Timothy are letters written by Paul to this young pastor. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, uh, in the midst of all this good advice, he says, Timothy, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of what? Power and love and self-control. He gave us a spirit not of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power. And my question immediately when I read that was, why? For what purpose did God share his power? Why did he infuse the church with power? And as I looked at the scriptures this morning, I, or this week, I came up with a number of reasons why God shares his power with the church. The first one is that we need God's power to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need his power. Anybody can, can say the words of the gospel. Anyone can 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 take a, the body of a sermon and stand in front of people and say it. But, but you can't preach it with power unless God's power is resident in your life. Anybody can, can go out and, and, and explain uh, the plan of salvation to a, a friend or a colleague at work or somebody at school, but it takes the power of God to effect change in that person's life. And so we really need the power of, the, of God to, to preach the gospel and to share the gospel with people who need it. In Acts chapter 4, we read about this encounter that Peter and James had with the, the uh, 
religious elite in the, in the town of Jerusalem shortly after the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Acts chapter 2. Now we're in Acts chapter 4. Just a short while later. And, and it says in, in verse 1, they were speaking, the disciples were speaking to the people. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They didn't want anybody preaching about Jesus. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. So you, you can't contain the gospel. When people hear it, they believe it. The number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired. Once they got them there in front of the religious elite, the high priest, all the members of the high priestly family, they had one question for them. What did they ask Peter and John, or James? Do you remember? By what power do you do this? By what power or by what name do you do this? You see, the religious officials, the high priest and his clan and all of the, the scribes, they knew that, that something supernatural was happening because it was coming with power. And up to 5,000 men and probably many of their wives and perhaps even some of their kids were believing in this Jesus. So they saw this new movement erupting in their midst. They knew there was power behind it. They knew there was power behind it. And so they asked, by what power do you do this? By, by what power? By the power of the name of Jesus. What else? And that was pretty much their response. They had the power of Jesus to preach the gospel that day. And it's the same power that God shares with the church today. He shares with us that same power to preach and teach and share the gospel with those who need it. Furthermore, we need God's power to become servants of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul says, I, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Paul did not become a servant of God by, by training or by instruction or by persuasion. He became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace through the working of his power. Again, a supernatural outcome. Somebody can't just, you know, step up and say, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I guess I'll become a servant of God too. It's not possible. You become a servant of God by the power of God. And without that, you're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then as a servant of the gospel of Christ, Paul served. <laughs> That's what servants do, right? They serve. He served the church. He served the Lord. He served. He used his gifts and talents and calling and I suppose his personality to serve the church. You know, one time recently I was, I was cleaning out a, a drawer and I found a flashlight that I'd placed in that drawer 
a long time ago, years, years ago. And so when I flipped the switch and there was no light, I wasn't really surprised because I'd, this thing had been sitting in the drawer for a long time. So I took the top off, unscrewed the top, and turned it upside down to dump the batteries out, but they didn't budge. And I shook it, and they still didn't budge. And so I smacked the end of the flashlight, and finally the, the, the batteries came free, but they were yucky, as my granddaughter says. Yucky, Grandpa. They were yucky with all that green battery acid that had leaked out, and so they corroded the batteries, corroded the inside of the flashlight. And I thought, well, you know, the batteries were brand new when I put them in there a few years ago. Uh, and I put them in a nice warm spot, warm and dry. But that's what happened to them. What? Because batteries aren't, they're not made to be stored away in a safe, warm environment. Well, we were not created and saved and set apart by God's Spirit to be nice, warm, comfortable Christians either. We were made to be used. We were created by God to be used. We were created by God and saved by God so that we could serve God and become servants of the church. So let's get serving. Amen? Amen? (laughs) Now you've gone from preaching to meddling. You're stepping on my toes. Well, just hang on. It's not over yet. (laughs) God's power should be used by servants of God like us to spread the name and the fame of Jesus. We've got more work to do here in Windsor, Essex, so we need to get at it. Moreover, we need God's power to overcome demonic forces. Now, somebody in our church just preached a four-week series on Satan's toolbox, and we tried to uh, learn more about the the, the schemes and the strategies of, of the enemy so that we could recognize it and, you know, push back against it in the power of God. Uh, The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, that he called the 12 together and gave them, what's the word? Power. There it is again. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So God's promise of power in the arena of spiritual warfare, I think, is crucial. It's critical to the health and well-being of the church in Canada. It's it's essential that we come to terms with that and learn how, by God's methodology, to overcome the powers of darkness. You You only have to turn the TV on. You only have to think about Roseburg, Oregon, to know that the, the darkness is, is heavy and thick out there. And, and, and we cannot come against that in our own strength. Uh, politicians have tried and failed. Police uh, forces have tried and failed. Uh, I think the only thing that's really going to overcome the darkness is the power of light, the power of God. And that's what we need to do battle with. We also need God's power just to endure hardship. To endure hardship. It's true that sometimes God calls his people to suffer so that he can mold and shape their lives uh, and help them to become the people that he wants them to be. And, And many times he chooses to protect us in suffering rather than from suffering. And when that choice is made in heaven by a sovereign God, then he also shares his power to help us endure it. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, Paul was absolutely convinced that the power of God would be sufficient for Timothy to suffer through whatever he was suffering. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see, even, we need the power of God even for that, just to face the the trials, the tribulations, the suffering, the pain in our lives. We need it. Also, we need God's power to just to stand against the enemies of the gospel. Pluralism, secularism, materialism, postmodernism. We can add terrorism. These are all enemies of the gospel. You and I together aren't big enough or strong enough or great enough to fight against those enemies. We can't do it. We can do what's, what's right and just in our, in our society to do, to stand up against that, yes. And we need to be involved, yes. We can't just go and stick our heads in the sand and hope it goes away. But at the same time, we cannot stand against the enemies of the gospel effectively without the power of God. We need God's power. We also need God's power to understand the love of Christ. I thought this was interesting. It never occurred to me before. But this is how Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. He says, That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend, that you'll you'll have power to understand with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I, I read that, came away from that and said, I, I, can't, I can't, without the power of God, I can't even understand the love of Christ. I, 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 I can't get it. And even with the power of God, <laughs> there are limitations to what we understand about this love. The love of Christ is so vast and immeasurable. It's so immense and infinite. It's so breathtaking and life-changing. So It's so limitless and incalculable that unless we have the power of God in us and flowing through us, we'll never get it. We'll never really understand the extent, the scope of the love of God. But with it, if God's power is moving, then we we get it. We understand it to some extent and it changes us. Thanks be to God. Furthermore, we need God's power to share the love of God. Once you you kind of get it, once you get a glimpse of the love of God through the power of God, then you need the love of God in order to share it with other people. Romans 5.5 5 says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who He has given to us. So I would say that an enduring love for, for other people requires a steady intake of the powerful love of God through His Word and through His presence. So we need that constant flow of, of, of God's love in our lives so that we can share it with other people in the power of Christ. We just need His love poured into our lives every day if we're going to be able to share His love with other people the way we should. So I've given you seven reasons why 
I think we need the power of God. And, and, and what's behind, and there are probably more than seven reasons why God shares his power with the church, with believers like us. So let's switch gears for a moment and talk about the price of God's power. In his little booklet uh, titled Quiet Talks on Power, uh, a guy by the name of S.D. Gordon states that every Christian needs power. We'd say amen. Every Christian eagerly wants the power of God in their lives. Every willing believer already has a degree of the master's power in his or her life. But every born-again Christian does not possess the promised power in its fullness. What is the reason for that? S.D. Gordon says the reason is because we're not willing to pay the price. To have power in our lives over sin and selfishness, he says, and over passion and appetite, over tongue and temper and self-seeking ambition to have power in prayer and in winning others over from sin to Jesus Christ, one must first lay down the required price. Well, is anybody wondering what the price is? What's the cost involved? Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 16. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there is a price to pay for the anointing of God's power. And I guess the question this morning is, will we pay the price? Will we do what we need to do to get it? To enjoy the power of God? To experience the power of God in our lives? Will we pay the price? Will we deny self, take up the cross, and follow Him no matter what it takes or what it costs. Only you can answer that. And once you've paid the price, then the question becomes, how do I keep that power? Which brings us to the whole idea of the perpetuation of God's power in our lives. And I have a quote here from an author named Peggy Noonan. She said, finding God is not hard, because he wants to be found. But keeping God can be hard. (laughs) He wants to be kept, of course, but for most of us, finding him and keeping him is the difference between falling in love and staying in love. Uh, How many of you here this morning have been married for more than, oh, let's say, uh, seven days? (laughs) Okay, okay. So you you know what he's talking about, right? Falling in love is easy and fun. Staying in love, that's not always so easy. And it's not always so fun. Perhaps we could say that receiving God's power is, is not that hard, but keeping God's power flowing in our lives on a day-to-day basis is, is, is a challenge. It can be a challenge. Fresh supplies of God's power seem to be dependent on two things. First of all, keeping your life clear of hindrances. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 is the, is the ideal verse to go to for this, where the author says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us also lay aside every hindrance, every weight. So what is he talking about? Well, to answer that question, I just looked in the mirror and I saw all kinds of hindrances or possibilities. Uh, The dominance of a critical spirit, maybe. A jealousy, strife, fits of anger. Maybe you could look in the mirror too. Stinginess, keeping money for ourselves that, that, was, that God intended for his building of his kingdom. Uh, lust, pornography, uh, self-seeking, self-promotion, self-assertion, gossip, falsehood, uh, trusting your own efforts more than God's, uh, pride that just will not confess to being wrong, or dishonest speech, and I could go on and on. I, I think you get the picture. There's so many things that can hinder us from experiencing this this God-given power on a daily basis. Throw off everything that hinders. Throw it off. Get rid of it. Cast it aside. That's the whole idea. I mean, violently pinch it. And maybe you'll enjoy those fresh anointings of God's power all over again. The second thing upon which the fresh supplies of power often hinge is the cultivation of a personal friendship with Jesus. Because this, this is not all mechanical. You know, steps one, two, three, I do this, I do that, and bingo. This is about a relationship, right? A, a friendship with Jesus. Uh, did Jesus ever, did he ever speak more tenderly than, than he did in the upper room just before he walked across the Kidron Valley to the cross? That, that upper room discourse in John chapter 13 to John chapter 17 is just such an intimate, such a tender uh, time of Jesus with his guys. And he says to them at one point, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I've made known to you. Wow. Wow. Does that mean we? Does that mean I? Does that mean you? Could we be friends of Jesus? Precisely. So, so what do I need? Is there anything that I can do to enhance my friendship with Jesus? You go for coffee with your girlfriend who's visiting from Mexico. Welcome, Carla. Uh, You. Uh, you know, you, 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 you go and babysit for your friends so that she and her husband can go out and enjoy the evening. You give your classmate notes because she missed the lecture at St. Clair and she wants to be an you know, ultrasound technician too. So Sarah says, here, you're my friend. I give you. You, you do stuff, right? You do stuff to, 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 to develop the friendship. What, what can you do to develop, to go deeper with Jesus? What, what could you be doing in your walk with God to, to make more of this intimate relationship with Jesus? What works for you? 
See, now, if, if I had a friend who, who invited me to, say, do some flower arranging with him, <laughs> you know, that's not really kind of the kind of activity that I would enjoy. But if somebody says, hey, dude, I got some playoff tickets for the Toronto Blue Jays. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. It's on Sunday. It's okay. I'll cancel church. I'm going to the game. You know? so, so what works for one doesn't work for another. I have a thing in the morning. I do every morning. Me and Jesus. Every morning. And it's relatively the same thing every morning. But it works for me. And we're becoming better and better friends because of that morning routine. What works for you? Find something that works for you because without developing and maintaining that relationship and going deeper and deeper and deeper, like we sang about this morning, ain't going to be no power. And finally, let's talk about the core of God's power this morning. I couldn't find a better word than core. Apex, summit, I was running out of options. So I'm going to go with core. The core of God's power. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul writes, So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. So it's like, you can't win. The Jews, on one hand, are offended. The Gentiles say it's all nonsense. And maybe you've had that experience in your, with your family and friends. Some say, you're crazy, and others say, it doesn't make sense. But to those called by God to salvation, Paul says, both Jews and Gentiles, oh, are you ready for it? Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Woohoo! I could almost get excited about that, you know? That's amazing. Christ is the power of God. So I, that's why I said that the core of God's power is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not dry, dusty books. It's Jesus. It's not a conference with speakers who speak for an hour and a half and bore you to death. It's Jesus. It's not a matter of how many podcasts you can listen to. It's Jesus. That's where the power comes from. Jesus is the core of God's power. He's the very center of God's power. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. He's, he's the nucleus of God's power. He's the heart of God's wisdom. And, and, and ultimately, Jesus is the promise of God's power. Because everything hinges on Him. Everything that has been made and will be made and is, is because of Him. He's the one who provides power to believers like us. You say, well, I thought it was the Holy Spirit who brought power. Well, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. So the, Jesus is still the core, no matter how you cut it, no matter how you frame it, no matter what kind of theological system you want to subscribe to, Jesus is the core of God's power. He is the power of God, and He is the wisdom of God. All praise and glory and honor to you, Lord Jesus. You're still the boss of our church and always will be. So ultimately, when we need power, we find it in Him. Okay?
Okay, let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we just want to say that we adore you this morning, and we are freshly in awe of you and the love that you have lavished on rebels and fools and idolaters like us. Lord, you who have never sinned became sin for us so that in you we might freely receive the very righteousness of God. And by your crushing, we are now cherished. Lord, by your exile on the cross, we have citizenship in God's heart. By your consummate wounding on the cross, we we are becoming completely healthy and healed. And by your cruel death, we live forevermore. Thanks be to Jesus. Lord, it's it's precisely because of your great love for us that we feel deeply convicted this morning. We just can't get away from the idea that we do not live and move in the power of God the way we should and the way we want to. And the riches of your grace move us to, to grieve the ways in which we spurn your power or try to live the Christian life in our own strength. And Father, forgive us for that. The truth is your Your promise of power is for us today, for right now. And so we ask you, and we pray for, and we receive your power in faith, trusting you to help us use it for your glory and for your honor. And we pray all of these things in the highest name, Jesus Christ. Amen.